Verse number 10 in this little letter says that I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now is profitable to thee and to me. Now may the Lord add his blessings on his word this morning, and may he receive all honor and glory. We let God's people say praise the Lord. And be seated. At first glance, one would look at this letter and think that <clears throat> perhaps there's not a whole lot in this little letter. And by the way, your New Testament is divided up, if you will, into the four Gospels. Has a book of history. Who knows what the book of history in the New Testament is? Acts. And then you have the epistles, those letters that are written to churches. And then you have a book of prophecy. Small group, you ought to know what that book is, right? Revelation. And then you have personal letters. This is that, what we're about to look into this morning as we look at Paul's letter to this man, Philemon. This letter is one of Paul's writings from prison. The other letters from prison, of course, was Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. But we find here that this letter to Philemon was also written from a Roman prison. Not in the best uh, circumstances, if you will, not in the best conditions, but the Apostle Paul writes this letter and sends it uh, by the hand of Onesimus and Tacitius to his master, Philemon. Now, just a little bit of history into the book of Philemon, if you don't know this. Uh, Philemon was written on the black background of slavery. It is estimated at this time that there was over 120 million slaves in the province of Rome at this particular time. As this letter was written, it was the whole context of the letter is about a runaway slave. His name, Onesimus. He belonged to his master, Philemon. He had wronged his master. Most conservative scholars believe that Onesimus had stolen from his master, Philemon, and he runs and he hides like most everyone does whenever they've done wrong. He, he hides in the province of Rome, almost eight, nine hundred miles, if you will, from where he is located or where he was located in Colossae. Philemon, Onesimus, all these was all residents, if you will, of Colossae. Onesimus feels like, I can run, I can hide, I can get away from my master. I'll run and hide myself in the multitudes that are there in Rome. You ever done that? think you can run and you can hide and the, the larger the crowd, the more you'll blend in and nobody will ever see you. I want us to see this morning that there's a little bit of Onesimus in each and every one of us. And before your conversion, each and every one of us can be considered an Onesimus because we run and we've hidden from our rightful Master, our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We find here that as Onesimus runs and he hides, he cannot hide from God. We'll see in this small letter how that by the providence of God, the same man who was instrumental by God to convert his master Philemon, Onesimus is now thrown in jail. And who is he thrown in jail with? None other than the Apostle Paul. The same man whom God used to convert his master. We find this letter is written. As, if you will, most of the letter deals with a lot of forgiveness. Teaching us how we should forgive. How that Philemon received this letter from Paul teaching him to forgive the one who had wronged him. But I want us to take a deeper look into this letter this morning because in this letter we see many wonderful theological truths. Some of the things we're going to see this morning is no doubt the providence of God, how that God moved in providence to bring this runaway slave, this no-account thieving slave to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We'll see that in this book. As a matter of fact, it says here in this chapter, in, in, in this letter, if you will, it, there's no other chapters. But in verse 15, look at verse 15, would you? Of this little letter. Look at what Paul says as he writes this back to Philemon. He says, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that he should have received him forever. Here is the providence of God wrote all over this little verse here. Paul is thinking in his mind, God has brought this man here for such an occasion that he might hear the gospel and be sent back to his master, not unprofitable anymore, but very profitable. A very profitable servant. So we're going to look at a little bit here, the providence of God. We're going to look at the transformation, if you will. He's going from a slave to a son. Onesimus is transferred from a slave to a son. To a brother, if you will. That great transformation can only take place through the mighty working of God. Through the mighty, did you hear what I said, church? That type of transformation can only take place through the mighty working of God through the Holy Spirit. That's what changes us. That's what took us from an unprofitable state because we were like Onesimus. We were unprofitable. But God has made us profitable. He's made us useful. We'll also see the doctrine of imputation. The doctrine of imputation teaches us that there's a transfer taking place. It's a financial term, Jonathan. As if you were to transfer uh, a de debt to someone or if you were to transfer funds to another account. Look at what this passage says here. It says if he has wronged you, verse number 18, if he has wronged thee or oweth you anything, put that on mine account. That's the doctrine of imputation. That's the doctrine that states that what Jesus Christ was worth was transferred to you and I. What he done on Calvary's cross was transferred to our account. And because of that, we've been considered not guilty. 
We're also going to see the doctrine of substitution. Substitution. He took my place. Christ took my sin. Christ took my judgment. Look at what it says in this particular verse right here. In verse, it says, I, Paul, have written it. This is verse 19. He says, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest me even thine own self. Look at what he says here. He says, if he owes you anything, charge it to me. You charge that to me. That's the great doctrine of substitution and reconciliation. We're going to see something about reconciliation. We're going to look at redemption, acceptance, propitiation, and forgiveness here. So let's get in, into the message this morning as we look at this small letter, the small letter of the book of Philemon. Paul starts this letter as any other uh, Hebrew letter. He opens up and tells you who he is. Look at what he says here. He says, Paul. You know, in our society today, we use the one we're going to be writing to at the beginning. We'll put their name up there, dear so-and-so. But in Hebrew, in their, in their type letters, they would always start out with whoever was writing the letter. So Paul makes it plain right up front, I'm the one that's writing this letter. And he says here, look at what the Bible says. It says in verse 1, he says, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, wait a minute. I thought he was a prisoner of Rome. I thought he was in a Roman dungeon, in a jail cell. Paul doesn't recognize that his circumstances down in that Roman prison was nothing more than God placing him there. He says, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm in this Roman prison. I'm in this jail cell. I'm in this dungeon because Christ wants me here. Christ wants me here. Could you ever think what the church would be like if we looked at every one of our circumstances, no matter how dark they are, or, or no matter how good they are, that it's all from the good hand of God. That it is God that has brought me here. It is God that has placed me here in this situation and in this circumstances that He might receive glory or that the fact that He might be working a work in me. You know, we can always go back to my old favorite verse, Romans 8, 28. It says, for we know that all things, we know, we've learned that all things are working together for the good of them that love the Lord to them who are the called according to His purposes. For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. You know, we like to quote 28, but we don't like to say anything about 29. But 29 is very much important because it goes with 28. 29 states that God's purposes in you and in me is to make us more like Jesus Christ every day we live. That's His purpose. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He says, Timothy is with me. And he'll tell you a little bit later on that the physician, Luke, is with him. Demas is with him. And he sends this letter by Tisesius. And he's sending this letter back with Tisesius to Philemon with Onesimus, this letter. Now, this letter is a very important key because without that letter, without the hand of the Apostle Paul writing this particular letter, 
Philemon would never accept Onesimus's. Ain't no telling what he would do to him. He wouldn't accept him. It would be like, listen to me, look up here. It would be like you and I one day going before the throne of God. It would be like us going up there, Brian, and saying, Lord, I'm here. Good church member. Did a lot of good things in my life. I read my Bible every day. I prayed on occasions. I helped my neighbor. I did a lot of good things there. It would be just like you and I standing before God on that day without the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our hearts and life will not be accepted. But when we got that letter, like Onesimus, we were runaway slaves worthy of judgment. We were worthy to die under the hand of our master. And trust me, in that day, in that particular time, slaves were treated nothing more than a piece of property. That master had the right to kill them. He had the right to sell them. He could do anything he wished with them at a whim. But because Onesimus had that letter from the Apostle Paul, he could enter back into fellowship not only just as a slave, but as a son. You see, that's what the blood of Christ does for each and every one of us. We can't enter in on our good works and, and thinking, you know, because we're good church members and we're Baptist church members that we're going to gain a place in heaven. The only thing that will get you there is making sure that the blood of Christ has been applied to your heart and life. That you've got a personal faith in Jesus Christ that what He did was adequate, sufficient to save your soul. Sufficient. That's what Onesimus had. He had that letter. He had proof. And the great apostle Paul had penned it. He said unto our beloved Althea, verse 2, Althea was Philemon's wife. He writes to Althea, he writes to Archippus. Archippus is Philemon's son. And he says, and, our, and he's our fellow soldier, and he's writing to the church that was in their house. In those days, it was very common practice to have house churches. You know, they didn't have the nice buildings like what we have here today, but they would have house churches. Paul says, I'm writing this to you, Philemon. This is my introduction. I'm writing to your wife, Althea. I'm writing to Archippus, thy son, and our faithful servant, and to all the church that is in your house. This is who I'm writing to. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I thank my God making mention of thee. Notice how he starts his introduction. He starts building Philemon up. Telling him, you know, you've done a lot of good things for the name of Christ. You've, you've done a lot of good things to exhort the church and, and to build them up. He says, I'm thanking God for that. Hearing of your love and your faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus Christ and to all saints 
verse 5. Verse 6, he says, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ. The communications. He said the things that are coming from you, the things that people are hearing about you, the things that people are seeing. Think about that, church. I wonder what the people outside the doors of Powell Chapel Baptist Church think about us. Do you think they're communicating? Do you think we're communicating the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ in this church throughout those doors? Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter a whole lot what we do in here. Do you hear what I said? I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you support. I'm thankful that you participate. I'm thankful for all those things. But the most important thing, church, that we need to be aware of and to be alert about is things that are going on outside those doors. We're to be, we're to be trained in here. Trained in here to take the gospel message out of those doors into a lost and dying world and present to that world a Savior that is able to save. That's what we're supposed to be doing. The communication that was coming from Onesimus and this house church. Paul was giving God praise for it. He says in verse 7, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because of the bowels of the saints which are refreshed by thee, brother. That's his introduction. So from verse number 8 down to verse number 20, we have what we call Paul's appeal. He's appealing now to Philemon. And he's appealing to him because of Onesimus, the one in whom he, God was instrumental with the Apostle Paul in the conversion of this runaway slave, Onesimus. What is he beseeching for? He says, I could command you in my apostolic authority, Philemon, I could command you to take Onesimus back and to forgive him, to restore him back as your slave. I could command you to do that. He said, but I'm not going to. I'm going to do this for love's sake. Now let's stop right here just a minute and let's see if we see the shadow and the type in behind that. God the Father before the foundation of the world, before time could ever be called time, before God ever hurled any star into the sky, before He ever set the planets in motion, before He ever created anything, God had a plan. God had a plan. And that plan included His Son that was there with Him in creation. And that plan was, is to call and redeem lost humanity. Now God the Father could have said to His Son, Son, you're going there. I'm commanding it of you. But he didn't have to. Because when he turned to Jesus, and they in their uh, cooperative efforts, Jesus says, Father, I'll go. I love you so much, and I love those people so much, that I'll go. You don't have to command me. You don't have to make me do anything. But for the joy that is set before me, I will go to the cross, I will shed my blood. I will suffer. I will die. And by your power, I will be raised the third day so that those lost people, those, all those millions of Onesimuses out there, those runaway, worthless, 
people, and I'm speaking of me in general, can be saved. You'll raise me from the dead on that third day for their justification. God's stamp of approval that Jesus Christ came, accomplished, did everything that He was supposed to do. When He bowed His head some 2,000 years ago, and He says, Father, it's finished. He didn't mean His life. He meant the work that I've been given. It's done. Paid in full. Pop. So when you, and you, and you, and you, all of you go before God on that blessed day, don't go empty-handed. Don't go with your good works and who you are. But make sure you've got that letter in your hand. Say, Father, here it is. There's the blood. There's the blood. He beseeches Philemon by love, not by command. And he says, I want to beseech you for a certain reason. He says, you got a slave. His name Onesimus. He says, I have begotten him in my bonds. In other words, what he's saying, he says, God has brought me and him together, me in this prison, him some eight to 1,000 miles away in eastern Turkey. That's where Colossae was located. He's brought him this long way. He's been trying to hide. He's done everything in his power to get out of the providential hand of God, somewhat like old Jonah was when he thought he could leave the presence of the Lord. But God... Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. I don't care where you go, where you're hiding, what you're hiding from. You can't hide from God. The psalmist says, there's no place I can go whether it's a depth of the sea, whether it's in the very pits of hell. Thou art there. He'll find you. He'll find you. And He'll bring you back to Himself. He says He was in prison with me. And now, he that was unprofitable, useless, that's what the word means, useless. Hey, did you know that the name Onesimus meant useful? That's what his name actually means, is useful. Yeah. Didn't know that. That's true. His name Onesimus meant useful. Paul said in this state that he was in, he was unprofitable, he was useless. But something's happened. He is now profitable. He is now up to His name. He is now useful. Not only to thee, but to me. He says in verse 12, He says, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive Him, that He is in mine own bowels. Whom I would have retained. In other words, Paul says, I'd love to keep Him with me. I, I, it's my desire to have him with me because he's ministered to me here while I'm in this cell, while I'm in this dungeon, in the bonds of the gospel. He said, but I'm not going to do anything without thy mind and, and without thy content. That he should benefit as it were of necessity, 
but willingly. Verse 15. Verse 15 says, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season. Paul said, Maybe all this happened for a reason. Maybe all of this happened, you know, it just wasn't luck. You know, you know, sometimes I think, and I know it's just a force of habit sometimes, but I don't think luck ought to be in the Christian's vocabulary. You know? I don't, I don't think we ought to use that word. And I think we ought to try to get it out of our vocabulary. Because I don't think there's any such thing as luck. You ain't here by luck today, Gerald, are you? Anybody here by luck? I mean, you just have them. No. You may think that you were just driving by and you say, hey, I think I'm going to go in there. Do you think that's the only reason you're here? No. Bless your heart, the providential hand of God brought you in here. Amen, preacher. That's pretty good stuff. Let me store one right down here. Might need that one later. But nothing happens by luck or chance. We have an almighty, all-knowing, sovereign, mighty God who is in charge. He's on the throne. This didn't happen to Onesimus by luck or chance. It happened to him because of the providential hand of God. Turn with me, if you don't mind, please, to the book of Ephesians. What does this this salvation, this blood that I've been talking so much about this morning, what does it accomplish anyway? Well, it, 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 it saves us. I understand that. It saves us. Yeah. But it does something far greater. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 1. See how much time I got. Okay, I'm good. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. He said, blessed. Y'all there? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. I want you to see this. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to, look at this, He does these things according to the good pleasure of His will. He doesn't do anything because he looks down at one of us and says, hey, I like that one because they're tall. I like that one over there because they've got blue eyes. I like that one over there because I think they would be a real good worker. I like that one over there because maybe uh, they're a little chubby. Anyway, that's not the reason God chooses. God looks us and sees absolutely nothing he desires. He has to look inside himself <coughs> and does it according to the good pleasure of his will. That's the reason that you or you or you or you or me or any of us are saved today. It's because of his good pleasure. Because of his good pleasure. Listen to what it says. 
It says, to the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. He hath made us accepted. We didn't make ourselves. But this blood of Jesus Christ that Paul talks about in this little letter to to Philemon, this transferal, this substitutionary, all this is dependent upon the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what makes us accepted. Nothing we do. It's nothing we've done. You may be sitting there this morning and listening to Brother Frank preach, and you're thinking, well, Brother Frank, that's all well and good. That's fine. But that's, you know, that thing of religion, that's just for good people. You know, people that's, you know, good morally, you know, things like that. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the sin that I've wallowed in. You don't know the depth of the depravity in which I've done. I don't care. You see, I serve a God according to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 25 that says He's able to save to the uttermost all those that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever lived to make intercession. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done this morning. If you put your faith and trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, He is able to save, yes, even you. That's the same God that saved Onesimus, this runaway, worthless slave, and made him accepted in the Beloved. Now go back with me to the book of Philemon, and I'll try to wrap this thing up. (coughs) It says here, at not now, verse 16, he says, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He says, if you count me, Paul says, if you count me, Philemon, as a partner, if you count me as a brother, receive him as myself. Oh, Lord, let me stop right here and park for just a minute. Let me go back now and let's look at the shadows that this portrays. Let's see what this portrays. Think about it again. On that great day of judgment, and it is coming. It is. Amen? There's there's coming a day of reconciliation. There's coming a day in which God will judge the works of every man. He'll look into the hearts. He'll look into the past. He'll look into the thoughts. And we'll stand before Him. Now, there is a catch. If you've had the blood of Christ applied to your heart and life through faith, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your all in all, if you've asked Him to come into your heart and life and be your Lord, there's a catch. When we stand before Him and we thank God, you know, I'm not worthy to be here. You know, he, He knows what I've done. Yes, He does. But when He looks at you, Lance, you know who He sees? He sees His Son. He sees Christ. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That imputed righteousness which we didn't earn, we didn't deserve. And He says, I see My Son. Not a servant. Not a slave. A Son. What gets you there? Through the blood. I like that old hymn where Jesus paid it all. 
all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. His blood washes white as snow. Paul says, when you see him, accept him as me. When we go before God on that great day, Jesus tells the Father, accept them as me. As me. John's Gospel teaches us on that great day when our Lord Jesus Christ was in that upper room and he was praying for his disciples there. He says, Father, I will that those whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. For thou lovest them as thou hast loved me. Believe it or not, God loves us the same way He loved His very own beloved Son. That's the transfer of grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, He that knew no sin, Listen to me. He that knew no sin became sin. That we who were sinners might become the righteousness of God in Him. Did you hear what I said, church? Christ didn't know sin. But He became sin. He became sin for me who was nothing but sin that I could become the righteousness of God in Him. That's grace. That's grace. When I stand before Him on that day, I'm going to plead grace. Grace. Marvelous grace. In finishing, look at what He says. If He hath wronged thee, or owed thee anything, put it on my account. Jesus tells the Father, if they owe you anything, I paid for it. Back there on an old rugged cross some 2,000 years ago as my blood run down, as they tagged that crown of thorns on my head, as they drove that spear into my side, I paid for them. Has He paid for you? Put it on my account. That's what Christ says. Having confidence. Paul says, I've written this with my own hand. I will repay it. I bid, I not say to thee how thou owest me even. But yea, brother, let me have joy in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. And I have confidence in thy obedience. I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt do even more than I say. By summarizing this, this whole little message here, as we've looked at the book of Philemon, and there's so, so many things in this little book that I, I never dreamed was there, and still I started praying and opening it, the Lord opening it up. But when we, when we look at the book of Philemon, we see God the Father in the Master Philemon. We see the Lord Jesus Christ is our mediator in the Apostle Paul. And we see us 
in Onesimus. We've run. You may be running and hiding today. I don't know. You may be hiding under the clause of religion. You may be hiding under the law clause of a good name. You may be hiding under the clause of good works. I don't know what you're hiding from or what you're hiding with. But I can guarantee you this much. He'll find you. He'll find you. The gospel is such a beautiful thing that God so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, and that includes you, whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He that knew no sin, He became sin. Has He become your sin? Has He become your sin? Because if He has, you now take on His righteousness. What can wash away my sin? What is it, church? What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is thy flow that washes whiter each day. Are you hiding today? Are you looking for that hiding place, that perfect hiding place where you feel like you can hide from God Almighty? Do you feel that heart just beating inside your chest right now? Do you feel that yearning and that calling to say there's something that's not right in my life? That you need help. That you need hope. While Satan whispers in your ear and he tells you, you're okay. You're a good person. You try hard. You got good family. You was raised in church. You, you got a good family. Your mom and dad, your grandma, all these, they've done the right things by you. But salvation is a personal thing. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. I'm asking you this morning, what are you hiding from? I'm asking you this morning, if you were to stand before God today, before this day's over, and trust me, you may be healthy, you may be in good shape, young, you don't have the promise of the next breath. So take a deep one right now. That's the only one you promised. If you were to meet God today, would you have that letter in your hand? That blood in your hand that says, I've made it right with Christ. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my righteousness. Have you made it right? Do it today. Don't let Satan defeat you and let you walk out these doors today without making a call to Christ. He'll answer. He'll save. And He's able to save.